Gary Parish, it's Friday, January 20th. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, and I got me with me. And uh, that's worth pointing out because there was a time yesterday when I thought I might not be with me or with you or with planet Earth anymore. I thought I was going to die for about 45 seconds yesterday, Norlander. I thought I was, I thought it was over with. Yeah, you were, you were on a plane, and <laughs> actually... So we have this uh, this thing called Slack, which many people probably are aware of. It's you know, it's just a uh, it's like GChat but but better and with GIF capability. And you just basically posted, I don't know if I'm going to live, but someone take over the top 25. And if you do, don't put Maryland higher than 25. <laughs> hey, shout out to Maryland by the way. Got a win, nice win last night at Iowa. Um, I have I have not ranked Maryland. I don't think all season because the truth is they didn't have many quality wins. They got a couple of really bad losses, including a home loss to to Nebraska. Um, but winning at Iowa is like, that's a, that's a good win. You know, like, uh, Iowa state mm-hmm. lost there. I think Purdue also lost there. So like some good teams, some teams I have ranked have lost at Iowa. So if you can win at Iowa, um, that that's going to count as a quality win. So I do have Maryland. They are 26 in the top 25 and one, but, uh, having a nice season. And that is worth pointing out uh, to all the Maryland fans who have asked me every day on Twitter, why do you hate Maryland so much? I don't hate Maryland. I, uh, I like, uh, I, I like Mark Turgeon a lot. I'm fond of Mellow Trimble. You're having a nice season. You should, you should enjoy it. I mean, Fran McCaffrey flipped out, but again, that's shocking. What's wrong with him? Is he just a maniac? Does he not know how that looks? I don't, does he know how that looks? Good question, because he's such a he's such a wild competitor. But yeah, he had another moment. Now, granted, it he didn't throw anything, he didn't break a chair. <laughs> he got right up. He got right up in the official's face, and you know he's in the midst of a season where I think the expectations of Iowa were not that they would make the tournament, but I'm sure he thought that he might have a better chance. And it's just been an up and down season. But yeah, yet again, he loses his cool. And this is just who he who he's known to be. And I, he's he's not going to shed that reputation for a long time. Unfortunately, it's just part of you know Iowa basketball from the outside is known as maybe a top forty program with a coach who gets really pissed really fast. I was as I was watching the latest Fran McCaffrey flips out on somebody video. I I I I was trying to think to myself, have I ever yelled at somebody like that? And I don't. I think the answer is no. I don't think I've ever, in all of the things that have gone wrong. I mean, listen, way more things have gone right than wrong. But everybody has these moments where something's gone wrong, or somebody, you know, screwed you over, or you know, somebody did something that you don't approve of. I swear to God, I don't think I've ever yelled at somebody face to face the way Fran McCaffrey yells at everybody face to face. I'm actually trying to picture you getting that angry, and it's really funny it's actually really hilarious trying to see if you could ever get that angry i actually kind of want to see it now but I, can, I don't think you're i don't think you're capable of it i, I, mean, can, I guess we are in a primal way we're all capable of it at some level but to see, i'm like picturing you like going after like goodman or something who's got like eight inches on you and like just going after him trying to get in his face and it's an amazing i movie. just would i just wouldn't i would never do that like i don't care how mad i am at somebody like the uh, the i figured out a long time ago the only people worth actually letting affect your 
day-to-day emotions are people you actually live with or deal with on a daily basis. Outside of that, like, like I, you know, it's particularly in our profession, you hear all the time about this writer hates that writer and this TV guy hates that TV guy. I just don't like people sometimes ask me like, so who do you hate? I honest to God, don't hate anybody. Like I not, I mean, there are people who I like sort of roll my eyes at, but I don't, like, I just, I don't spend much time on them. I don't have the energy for it. And yet, Fran McCaffrey has the energy to be mad at everybody and just flip out nonstop. What a, what a wild scene that was last night. So, look, okay. So, yesterday, get up. I'm in New York City. I had done back-to-back night CBS Sports Network in studio. And my hotel's like a block from Trump Tower. Um, Trump Tower is like 56th and 5th. I'm at 56th and 6th. That's where I stay every time I'm in, I'm in New York. And so I turn on like cable news or whatever, and it's like, you know, a live shot of Trump Tower. And they say, President-elect Trump and, and his family is getting ready to head to Washington, leaving Trump Tower. I was like, oh, no, because like I, you know, Manhattan traffic could be whatever anyway. And now you got this, the, the, pres- the guy who's going to be the next president of the United States in 24 hours getting ready to leave uh, Trump Tower. So I thought I'm going to run into some motorcade stuff and it's going to be a mess. Turns out I didn't. I, I missed all that. But he was headed to LaGuardia, and I was also headed to LaGuardia. So when, usually when I get on a plane, I, you know, I get whatever work I can do get done while we're sitting there. You know, I'm, like, I'm usually one of the first people on the plane, then I pull up the laptop, and I get whatever work I can get done. But there's a point where they tell you, anybody who travels knows, you know, tray tables up, laptops up, under your seat, and then you can't take them out again until you're like 10,000 feet in the air. You can't get Wi-Fi until you're like 10,000 feet in the air. So what I tend to do, because I'm always operating on not enough sleep, I'll close my computer, close my eyes, try to fall asleep, even if it's only for like 15 minutes. That's worth something. And then I'll hear that ding, and it tells you, hey, get your laptop back out, get to work. And so that's what I did yesterday morning. I, I closed, they say, I tray tables up, you know, we're going to get ready to whatever, take off. We're on the runway. And then I, I wake up at some point, and I realize, oh, wow, it's been like 45 minutes. I've been asleep for like 45 minutes, and I never heard the ding. And I look out the window, we're still on the runway. So I'm like, what in the world <laughs> is happening? They have paralyzed the entire airport because of President-elect Trump. We were waiting on, I believe it's called Air Force Two, to yeah. come pick up the the next first family. Um and why Donald Trump uses LaGuardia, I have no idea. You use Teterboro, you could use White Plains, like a less busy airport um but like he's he's using LaGuardia so like we're just stuck there for like two I don't want to overstate it it was somewhere between 90 minutes and two hours we are stuck on the runway because of President-elect Trump so I'm like man like I I was already sort of didn't know quite how I felt about where our country was headed but it didn't actually affect me in any real way yet but here we are I'm stuck on a runway shame on you President-elect Trump but it was kind of neat you know we got to watch Air Force Two take off with uh, the first family, and that was kind of neat for seven seconds or whatever. But it did delay us for two hours uh, taking off. And because it delayed us two hours taking off, we were 30,000 feet in the air when we had a medical emergency on the plane. So the flight attendant says, is there a doctor or a, uh, a nurse, any sort of medical personnel on board? And you know, everybody's sort of looking around, and uh, a guy who works for the Grizzlies happened to be uh, sitting right behind me. He was like, GP, volunteer, step up. I was like, man, all I can do is rank basketball teams and do a podcast. I can't perform uh, uh, any sort of like CPR or whatever it is they need. But you're looking around the plane because there, there's not like 200 people. It's like you can see pretty much front to back, and there, there's no obvious person 
who needs medical assistance. And it's not like the flight attendants are in the back of the plane or in the middle of the plane. They're like all up front. So you start to put one on one together. You go, oh no, our pilot's dead. And it wasn't, he, he didn't die, but he was the one having a medical emergency. Yeah. At which point they go, we have to land. And I, what, what I gather is that it's protocol. Like it's just when a pilot is incapacitated, it doesn't right. matter if you think you could make it to your final destination. You land at the nearest possible place as soon as possible. And so we ended up having to be diverted to Nashville. But they don't tell us what's going on. They just say, we're going to make an emergency landing in Nashville. And I'm like, all right, well, here it goes. This is it. Who's going to do the top 25 and one tomorrow? And it turns out our co-pilot, bless his heart, he, uh, he landed the plane perfectly. And you know what was going on with our pilot? I subsequently found out. Kidney, kidney, no, kidney stones. Oh, God, the worst. It, I mean, we it really is the it. worst because, like, so we're in Nashville. We're, like, in the Delta Sky Club or whatever, me and, like, a handful of other people who were on the flight. And somebody said, yeah, I heard the pilot. I heard one of somebody told me it was kidney stones. And they were like, we had to land in Nashville for kidney stones? I'm like, dude, if you're saying that, you've never had never. kidney stones. You have no idea. Like, I'm not even mad at the guy anymore. Not that I was mad at him anyway. It is, you know, life, life is what it is. But, like, kidney stones is serious business. And so we land in Nashville safely, and that's all that mattered. But then they tell us, okay, we got to fly a new pie, a captain in, and then he'll fly you home. I was like, all right, I can get down with that. I'll pour a drink and and uh, and grab a bite to eat and whatever. I'll probably miss my radio show, but that makes my life easier too. Then they tell us, okay, we got another problem. Our captain who was flying in missed his flight. I'm like, you couldn't you couldn't hold the plane for the captain, <laughs> you know, like that was going to be flying us. And they said, like, he missed the flight. What are you going to do? And uh, but he's got, but he's on the next flight. I said, okay, super. I'll just pour another drink, no problem. They said, but now we got a problem with our co-pilot because you can only be like in operation like so many hours, and then you time out. So by the yeah. time our new captain gets to Nashville, our co-pilot who was ready to go is going to time out. So then we got to find another co-pilot, and if we can't find another co-pilot, we're going to put you on a bus. I'm like, hold up. You're not putting me on a bus. I'm not taking a bus from Nashville to Memphis. That's ridiculous. And uh, so I, in, the, in the process of getting ready to get a rental car and just take make the drive home, uh, somebody figured out something, and we took off, and we landed back in Memphis about 730 last night. Uh, so uh, uh, emergency Glad landing. Glad to have you. Yeah, it's good Glad to be to here. Another It was a successful emergency landing. And, uh, always, a travel, always at least one travel story for Parrish every single year. This was a – dodge the bus like – because how he wouldn't dare ride like a peon on on a greyhound. Man, I, so. they, they, they actually said we're gonna rent, we're gonna secure a bus and take all of you back to Memphis International Airport. And I was like, as fun as that sounds, nope, I'm not riding a bus. That's that's ridiculous. Me and a uh, me and a guy from the Grizzlies were about to rent. A, we were in the process of renting a car. We we're just yeah. going to drive back together, and uh, he said, uh, no, 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 we're going to take off. Everything's cool. So shout out to Delta. Um, I don't blame you. Life is what it is, and I hope our pilot with his kidney stones uh, recovers well because that is a, that's a hell of a deal, man. Um, so we updated our final four picks and national championship picks and player of the year picks and freshman of the year picks earlier this week, and I couldn't help but notice because you pointed it out that uh, you're the only one who is remaining with your preseason pick of the Kansas Jayhawks. Basically, everybody else at CBS Sports who was asked to do this has changed their pick, including me, except you. You proud of yourself? Uh, I mean, maybe just a little bit. You should be. Uh, well, so, you know, admittedly, I 
you know, I try not to uh, necessarily always pick a favorite in the preseason because sometimes it works out that way, but sometimes it doesn't. And obviously Duke was the favorite in the preseason. And I didn't want our picks necessarily in October to reflect that we were all going with Duke. Plus, I thought that Kansas would have a decent shot because I thought Josh Jackson would be a top five freshman. He actually, in my opinion, has fallen just shy of that, but been really good. It's just a really deep freshman class. I thought Carlton Bragg would be really good. He actually hasn't been. And uh, and despite of that, Kansas only has one loss in overtime oh, against and, Indiana. And they lost to their like, top recruit. I mean, not that not their top recruit. Josh X is a top recruit. But they lost a key rotation player. Yeah, and yeah, and they lost uh, Yudoka Asabuki, who's, who's gone. And yet, in spite of all this, they're still really good. And I feel they haven't even hit their peak. So I had no reason to move off of that. And yeah, it was just you know an updated projection of Final Four and... I also differ from you, and you just take the four best teams. I like to go with the wild card. I submitted my picks prior to Notre Dame's loss at Florida State, but hey, dude, Notre Dame made 15 three-pointers, scored 80 points, and lost. That almost never happens. If you hit 15 threes, get the 80-point barrier in college basketball, you're winning like almost every damn time. Florida State barely managed to get away. So, you know, Notre Dame's a fun little pick. I also went with Villanova. And UCLA, as of now, obviously things will change whenever we get a bracket. But, you know, it's it's been interesting to see how the top of the sport is racing toward one seeds right now. Because I was looking at, OK, let's look at realistic teams for one seeds, two seeds, maybe a three seed in there. And that's where I came up with Notre Dame. And, you know, between Kansas and UCLA, Gonzaga, one or two teams out of the ACC, Villanova, you're going to have a lot of teams here. Kentucky, obviously, going for one seeds. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, GP, in terms of if that filters out. I know we touched about this earlier in the week, but it, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And then I'm, I'm sticking with uh, Josh Hart for Player of the Year as a prediction as of now. And then I stuck with Markel Fultz for Freshman of the Year. You have Lonzo Ball, which is totally valid, and I could end up being wrong. Fultz just continues to be so statistically good all around. Um, what I think might actually happen, though, see, last year Ben Simmons won it in a runaway because there wasn't really anyone in his class that could put up the numbers that he was putting, despite the fact that LSU was hot garbage. But I actually don't think that Lonzo or maybe De'Aaron Fox and Leafs on the same team. I don't know if he can if he can uh, vault over Lonzo, but because UCLA is so good, and if Lonzo continues to have this good all-around game, I actually think that you'll end up being right. And ball, even if Fultz is, you know, averaging six and a half assists, six rebounds, and north of 20 points, and more than two steals, which is an amazing year for freshmen, wouldn't shock me if Ball, because UCLA gets so much more run and he's so good, winds up winning freshman of the year. I just don't like giving awards to guys who are on bad teams while recognizing Markel Fultz has been awesome. Like, if he came in... Yeah, it's just not his fault. That's the thing, it's, though. Like, it's not his amazing, fault. and it's not his fault that his team sucks. So I, I hate that... Like, I get it for player of the year, but I'm not going to punish a freshman because... You know, the coaching has been bad, and the rest of the guys on his team aren't lifting him up. That's right. All. Yeah, no, I, 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 I disagree, but I don't think like I can make any real big points that make it where I'm definitively right and you're definitively wrong. Like we, it's just a difference of outlooks. But he, he has been amazing. I mean, you know what he did was was it the other night against Colorado? Yeah. I mean, just massive game. And it, you know, if he came in as the projected. Uh, number one pick, like he's done nothing to hurt himself, uh, and and you know in any in any college basketball fans' eyes, but also in NBA scouts' eyes, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, in a moment because I did speak to uh, several NBA personnel people about the four elite point guard prospects, specifically 
uh, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, and uh, Dennis Smith. Our final fours, we were asked to pick them again. You and I actually agree on three of the teams. We both have Villanova. We both have Kansas. We both have UCLA. And then I have Kentucky. You have Notre Dame. And then I, I jumped on your uh, pick. Uh, I, I went with the Kansas Jayhawks. I was very close to going with UCLA. Like, I actually had UCLA written down. And then I just changed it at the last minute. Because, tell me if this is true. Have you looked this up? Has a team with a defensive efficiency rating like UCLA's, which is in the 90s, has it ever won a national championship? Well, okay. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head. I, I bet you it hasn't. Uh, the, the key thing to know is that, like, if you go back and look at all the Ken Palm rankings, uh, you got to look at entering the tournament because by right. nature of the tournament, when you get to the end, if you've won the title, obviously you've performed at a certain level that's good enough. Right. My suspicion is that entering the tournament, because Ken Palm actually can separate between season ending and then, you know, regular season ending and actual season ending. My suspicion is there's never been a team that bad on defense that's ever won a national title across the past 15 or 16 years. So that's a valid, you know, if you're going to stop and, and stop short of saying that UCLA is going to win the title, that's something that's valid. But also, of course, you know, they can put up 80 in their sleep. Um, well, that's so the, thing. the fact that they can score so effortlessly, obviously, you know, they could break the mold GP because they could be uh, as well-rounded offensively talented up-tempo to the point where it transcends that. But then again, maybe not. We, we will see. You know, well, I say, I say they, you know, that no team, and I believe this to be true. I'm actually going to look it up because I keep wanting to reference or tr- reference it or trying to reference it. And I'm just not certain, uh, on the specifics, although I know for a fact that teams like that don't, if it's ever happened before, it's very rare to win a national championship with a defensive efficiency rating uh, in the 90s, which is where UCLA's is. But you know what else is rare? The way they play offensive basketball. Like yeah. they made another, what you know, and so I, I picked Kansas after almost picking UCLA, and then I watched UCLA last night, and I'm like, why would I not pick this team? They made another 16 three pointers last night. Like it's, and, and like, it's not even like they made 16 three-pointers. Wow, what a game. It's like they made 16 three-pointers. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I mean they're, so I wonder if this won't end up being true. No, we've never had a team this uh, bad defensively win a national championship. But we've also never seen a team this great offensively. So maybe inferior offensive teams couldn't overcome it. But this team is so good offensively um, that they could because they're, they're they have the uh, number one uh, ranked offensive uh, they they have the best offensive efficiency rating in the country right now. They're shooting forty four point one percent from three point range right now. That's number one in the country. They're shooting fifty nine point seven percent from two point range. That's number four in the country. The effective field goal percentage is sixty two point three. That's number one in the country. So I guess this would be my point. If any team could overcome a bad defense to win a national championship, it would be this team. It would be. And, uh, they actually got an interesting fight from Arizona state who ended up, uh, kind of giving them a nice little push, but then, you know, big game this weekend, UCLA is at home against Arizona. And, um, just real quick here. I don't know if you want to touch on this or not, but since we're talking UCLA and how good they've been, Arizona 17 and two, Got a win at USC, which is impressive because we'll see if USC gets to the tournament or not. I think it will, but still, Arizona continues to roll. And now, finally, I mean, geez, we had to talk around this for months, GP, but um, 
you know, we can now publicly discuss the fact that Alonzo Trier, who makes Arizona a legitimate Final Four candidate if he's eligible to play, it's finally been announced that he has a performance-enhancing drug in his system that hasn't left his system. And because of that, he has not been able to play the entire uh, season. And he will not be able to play until he is tested and there's a certain trace amount that's gone from his system. I don't think it has to be 100% out of his system. I think the detectable amounts have to be so minuscule that they don't physically impact. And there's an NCAA rule in place for this. So the question becomes, will that happen before the season ends? Because we could we could totally have this situation. It probably won't happen, but we could literally have a situation where he keeps getting tested. It's still not out. It keeps dropping. And let's say Arizona makes the Sweet 16 and it finally drops and he's legitimately eligible to play a Sweet 16 game out of nowhere. It would be unprecedented, really intriguing, a major storyline, or he never gets it out and he simply never plays. But at least this is now out in the public forum and he says he didn't know that he took it. Um, he appealed and he won the appeal. That's the key thing to know that he went to the NCAA, he won the appeal, but now the NCAA has rules and he cannot play until this performance enhancing drug has left his stream, so we sit and we wait, and now UCLA um, is hosting a game against Arizona, a top three game of the weekend, in my opinion, uh, nationally. And if Arizona can steal that, which I don't think it will, but if it does, then Sean Miller, Coach of the Year discussion, comes into play. Arizona, just the whole spectrum of that team will uh, will change if it can somehow steal an upset against the Bruins on Saturday. With the Twitter situation, so I was on a, a radio show in Arizona a few weeks back, and, and they said – you know, how, you know, do you feel badly for Alonzo? Because, like, there's all these questions or, around, you know, his, uh, what appears to be a suspension. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation, but nothing on the record. Like, how tough must that be for Alonzo Trier? That was sort of the way the question was phrased. And I said, you know, Alonzo Trier can talk about this whenever he wants to. You know, like, like, Sean Miller can't talk about it publicly because of student privacy stuff. Um, you know, the, the athletic director, or Greg Byrne, who's now either the officially former athletic director or soon to be, he's headed to Alabama. He can't talk about it, student privacy stuff. There's no rules that say, I, I know the NCAA can suggest that they would rather you not, but there's nothing that says Alonzo Trier's family couldn't talk about this or he can't talk about this. Um, I don't understand why they didn't. Like, you know, this was, and our buddy Rob Doster tweeted this the other night, you know, the worst kept secret in college basketball, it really was like we, like we, we've all known that this is what this was connected to for literally months. Um, I, I don't understand why, why, why talk about it now, but not talk about it two months ago. Why not just if if the story is the story, if this is the story you're going to trot out, and I'm not trying to suggest it's untrue. I'm just saying if this is the story you're going to deliver, I took something I didn't know would put a. Um, you know, would trigger a a, a a a positive test for performance enhancing drugs. I regret the decision. I'm, uh, you know, and I'm hope we're appealing, and I'm to the NCAA, and I, I I hope to get a favorable outcome. Like if that's the story, what's so wrong with just saying that two months ago? I'm sure they have their reasons. Yeah, a, law a lawyer told them not to, or the NCAA suggested they shouldn't. But um, there's no reason they couldn't have talked about this. Uh, you know, no actual like real reason other than they thought it wasn't wasn't in their best interest. Couldn't have talked about this a long time ago. I don't know why you talk about it, you know, this week as opposed to to seven weeks ago. But whatever. The the larger point is that he might be able to rejoin uh, Arizona's basketball team at some point this season, and then a really good team, um, a really really good team, will I think suddenly look like 
uh, a legit Final Four contender. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online uh, for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for uh, a long, long time. It's always been you know, hard to find the best deal for that game or concert that you want to go to, but it's, it's not difficult anymore, and that is because of SeatGeek. Go download the app. Uh, go visit the website, which is SeatGeek.com. Uh, because what SeatGeek does is they handle the price comparison for you. They search multiple ticket uh, sites uh, to ensure you get the best possible deal. And then you get the best possible deal, and then you purchase your tickets. And when you do, use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB, and uh, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, uh, the promo code is COLLEGEBB. Uh, so go do this. Go download the SeatGeek app, and just remember... Uh, next time you're getting ready to, to buy tickets to anything, check with SeatGeek first. And then use the College BB promo code, College BB. You'll get $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That is SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. You mentioned uh, that it should be a, a good Saturday of college basketball, and there are three games uh, between top 25 uh, teams. One of them is the game uh, featuring. Uh, two of the teams we were just talking about, UC, UCLA and Arizona. That's going to be played at Pauley Pavilion. Another one is Florida State at Louisville. And another one is South Carolina at Kentucky. Which one are you looking most forward to? Um, probably probably Zona UCLA. Just because Arizona's only losses have come on neutral floors uh, to Butler and Gonzaga. And they weren't blowout losses. They were close. So now Arizona's... Got a road win against USC. Goes to UCLA. I want to see if they can keep it close. I think UCLA will win. Uh, but if Arizona can lose in, you know, appealing fashion, so to speak, by single digits, I think that would be uh, pretty remarkable. Louisville, Florida State would be my number two there because I just don't – I don't think that South Carolina is going to keep it within 15 points of Kentucky, personally. They looked ugly as hell against Florida. They got a win, but that game was not a fun watch. It's been a really fun season in a lot of ways because a lot of teams are so good on offense. It was jarring to see, you know, outside of a game involving Kentucky, the most hyped SEC game we could imagine this season between South Carolina and Florida. And it wasn't appealing. It wasn't fun. And I think the Wildcats are going to blow them out. So Louisville-Florida State, to me, is a game where teams are, you know, vying to win the ACC and by nature vying to get a number one seed. Florida State has won four of its past five against ranked opponents. It got a, a really crazy, impressive win over Notre Dame. Jonathan Isaac looked great. Louisville, obviously, will have a shorter turnaround, but it had little issue. After Clemson started off decently, Louisville just stomped him. And by the way, Quentin Snyder, maybe their most consistent, reliable offensive player, wasn't even on the floor. Donovan Mitchell had the weirdest half ever. He was like 8 for 8 in the first half and didn't hit a field goal in the second half. So now Louisville goes on the road against Florida State. I have no idea who's going to win that game. I'm really super intrigued. That's a 2 o'clock tip. Whereas like Arizona UCLA is uh, is four o'clock, and then South Carolina Kentucky is six o'clock. So we're gonna have a nice one game's gonna lead into another, which will lead into another. And even then, like Baylor at TCU is an eight o'clock tip, um, and that's just you know will TCU get a legit win there because they have a big, big opportunity. So I would rank them Arizona UCLA one, Louisville FSU two. I'd go Baylor TCU three, South Carolina UK four, and even within all of that GP. Um, like, just random ones here, and you can take it from here. But, like, Iowa State losing at Oklahoma would not be good for its profile. If you look at what the Cyclones have or haven't done, that's an interesting one. Minnesota, if it wants to be a tournament team, needs to beat Wisconsin. It's got a home game against Wisconsin this weekend. Miami, 
has lost against the five toughest teams it's played this year, and it has a game at Duke, and it's probably going to lose. Miami does not have a tournament resume, in my opinion, if it loses that game at Duke. It can still get one, but it's going to have to fight to do that. And obviously with Duke, you know, it's been a while since the team has played, but uh, it's been, in fact, a full week. But that team is riding a two-game losing streak, remember. Hopefully it can cure itself and get better. And I don't think Emil Jefferson is going to be on the floor in that game. I think you rank the games right. To me, the, the most interesting one by far is, is not by far, but the one I'm most looking forward to, like, sitting down and putting my eyeballs on, Arizona at UCLA. A, because I just... I love watching UCLA. Like I, I, I wish I would have picked them the other day as my future national champion. Um, just to mix it up a little bit, because a whole bunch of us had Kansas, uh, but also because like they're great, like they're legitimately uh, great. But this Arizona team, Sean Miller is doing a fabulous job with them. You know, given everything that they don't have that they thought they were going to have. You know, you go back to June, like if you'd have bumped into Sean Miller in June, like at a restaurant, and said, "Hey, uh, you know." It, it, you know, how you feel about your team? He'd have talked about Ray Smith. He'd have talked about Terrence Ferguson. He'd have talked about Alonzo Trier. And none of those guys have played a minute this season. Obviously, uh, Ferguson won't. He's a professional. Uh, Smith won't. He is. I, I, uh, he suggested that he's not going to play basketball ever again after suffering a third devastating knee injury. And, of course, as we mentioned, Alonzo Trier is serving the suspension. So the idea that you know, you could lose three key pieces and still be operating at the level that Arizona is operating at, I think is a testament to, uh, to Sean's ability to do something that basically everybody in the sport understands he can do is, is, is really, really a uh, coach. So Arizona at UCLA, can't wait for that one. South Carolina at Kentucky. I agree with you. I, I think the Wildcats are, are going to outman South Carolina. It is worth noting um, that South Carolina is undefeated with Cinderius Thornwell. Uh, so if they do lose on Saturday, it will it'll be the first time they've lost with that guy in the lineup all season. And I'm not big on hypotheticals, but let me throw one at you. If you were to bring Devin Downey back for one game, put him beside mm. P.J. Dozier, beside Sundarius Thornwell, do you give South Carolina a shot inside Rupp Arena then? Shout out to Devin Downey. Shout obviously. out to Devin Downey, obviously. And it's not like it's not like we've never seen Devin Downey win. Uh, against Kentucky before. I mean, this is this is something that the network should be talking about. Um, it's certainly something that should be on pretty much every college basketball website. What would South Carolina do if Devin Downey was in uniform? Can't we could get they beat Kentucky? Not can't, not could they beat Kentucky, but how really, badly would they double digit spread? Because I, I, I how badly I would they beat Kentucky? Be, I mean, listen, if you want to be reasonable about this, South Carolina. 94 Kentucky 76 with Downey in the lineup. I think that's probably a safe expectation there, but you know what happened. But I would love to see it because Kentucky's not checking Downey. Not checking him then, not checking him now, not checking him 10 years from now. I hope ESPN, uh, I think ESPN's carrying that game tomorrow. I hope that they at least pay homage to the great Devin Downey by showing highlights of him against Kentucky. We're coming up on the seven-year anniversary of Devin Downey's 30-point performance against Kentucky, handing John Calipari his first loss as the Wildcats coach. We will celebrate it accordingly on this podcast. And uh, actually, somebody was sending me <laughs> Devin Downey. People send me Devin Downey stuff all the time now on Twitter. And somebody last night sent me um, – well, you know, he he started his career at Cincinnati, so there was a game. I think it was Cincinnati-Providence, but he hit the game-winning free throws as a freshman. And there's like a young Andy Kennedy coaching and a young Frank Martin coaching and a young Devin Downey balling out like he always did. And so uh, I, I found myself randomly on a Thursday night just watching 
10-year-old Devin Downey uh, highlights on YouTube. I think I, 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 might, I, might, uh, I might have a problem. I, I mentioned um, I did this thing. It's posted at CBSSports.com where I uh, talked to NBA people, executive scouts, uh, sort of just sort of getting a, a, an update on what they think about the uh, point guard class because this is, uh, if it's not the, the best point guard class of prospects in history, it certainly is in recent history. 2009 produced four future uh, all-star point guards, Steph Curry, James Harden, who I know hasn't always been a point guard, but he is now, um, Drew Holiday, and Jeff Teague. And so I don't know that all four of, of these college Holiday made an all-star game. He has, I've... he has been in an all-star game. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's obviously not like a, um, you know, year after year annual all-star, but he has been on an all, he is an all, he has been an all-star. Like if he ever goes into television, they will introduce him as, and, uh, there and, and over here at the end, uh, former NBA all-star Drew Holiday, he has that, uh, attached to his name. So I, I don't know that this class will produce four all-stars. We'll see. Um, but certainly on paper, it looks like it could. Uh, Markel Fultz, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith. I don't think we've ever that, that, there's. I couldn't find any evidence that we've ever had three point guards go first, second, and third in the NBA draft. Draft Express right now projects it to go uh, one, two, three point guard, point guard, point guard. Uh, draft Express projects for the top six picks to be point guards. We've never had that. Um, so it is a special class. How would you? Let me ask this way. You picking first in the draft and forget Tatum and all everybody else. You're taking a point guard. Which one are you taking? We're just ignoring team needs, right? We're just ignoring team needs. We're just going I, who's who's going to be the best NBA okay, point guard? Here's my my prediction 12 years from now. Here's how I think that they will stack up in terms of their NBA careers. I think Dennis Smith will be the best NBA point guard of the four. Ooh. I think I think Lonzo will be two. I think Fultz will be three. And I think Fox will be four. And I say that loving De'Aaron Fox's game. Can he put on more weight? Can he establish a jump shot? The dude cannot shoot from more than 15 feet. He's shooting 13.5% from three-point range. It's brutal. And he's still, like, obviously defensively can play. No one can stay in front of him. Um, I love so much about his game. And, like, if you told me that De'Aaron Fox made five All-Star games in his NBA career, I would not be shocked. I actually think this is this has a tremendous chance to go down as the best point guard class like ever uh, like ever seriously because i think that they will all be multi-time all-stars i happen to think that dennis smith is just going to end up being best suited um to grow into like a really good like just i i would say uh a, a tick below what chris paul has been he won't be as good as chris paul but he i think he's going to be really 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 good and we're going to look back and say like remember dennis smith he was kind of he was pretty good in college right and no he's awesome in the nba so that's just that's my prediction. Fultz is also obviously really, really good. Um, and Lonzo is, listen, it, it, you can take any of those guys, and I don't have an argument, but that's my list. The uh, majority of NBA people I spoke with said they would take Fultz first um, out of this group. Had one person say they'd take Fox. Uh, uh, a handful of people say they would take Dennis Smith. Um, actually, I don't believe anybody said they would take Lonzo Ball first. You know they they all they all think he's special and and understand what he's doing at UCLA right now is unbelievable. But in terms of you know 
um, excelling at the NBA level, they like they they tend to like at least one of the other guys ahead of him. But Lonzo, better at, Lonzo's the worst athlete. He's the worst the athlete. And and yeah. I had one NBA scout tell me, you you forget sometimes, or he wasn't talking about me, but just sometimes people forget how important athleticism is in the NBA. And he said it's it's why Josh Jackson's going to go higher than people think because he's just an unbelievable athlete. And like it, that athleticism is just, it might be the most important thing at the NBA level. If you're not a great athlete, particularly at the point guard position, you can run into problems. And that is why ultimately uh, Lonzo might be have the best college career in terms of impact and winning and all that stuff of the group, but he, will, he probably won't be the first point guard uh, selected. Most of them like faults, but it is interesting. Um, I was, they, 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 a lot of them seem to think that Dennis Smith is the biggest risk reward. Like he could app, like one guy told me, I have a couple guys told me, will not be surprised at all if he's the best of the group. Um, but he is also the most likely to not live up to the hype. And they all question you know, how hard he plays. You know, like, yes. they, you know, he just doesn't play hard all the time. And um, that's something that can be fixable. And perhaps, you know, he's not being pushed in practice every day. The the way you might be pushed in practice every day if you play at a place like Kentucky or, or or you know Duke, where you're surrounded by other elite level players, players of your caliber. Maybe that's it, or maybe it really is just him. But um, yeah, uh, that was the consensus on Dennis Smith. Could absolutely end up being the best of the group, but he is also the biggest risk of the group because uh, the other ones are going to be solid no matter what. And if not great, no matter what. And it is it is interesting. Like nobody hates any of these guys. Like I could I couldn't find anybody a scout who who's like Lonzo Ball sucks. I wouldn't take him under any circumstances in the lottery. There, there's usually some of that. I can usually find somebody who you know is questions in a big way why people think so highly of a certain prospect. Not with these guys. False Fox Ballsman. Like different NBA people will take them in different orders, but like they all like all of them. You know, they all like all of them. It, it is a special point guard class, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch them perform at this level. I agree, and uh, we'll get to see you know all of them perform this weekend, and uh, it'll be interesting going forward to see how they do uh, the rest of the way, and then come tournament time, you know, faults won't be there, um, and Smith hopefully will be there, but we could have a situation. NC State's got to get some some of its act together there. We'll see what happens. All right, well, enjoy the weekend, and remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast over to iTunes. Go do that, please. Uh, it's the best way to get the uh, latest episodes as quickly as possible, so just go to iTunes, do a search for it, Ion College Basketball Podcast. It'll pop right up. Subscribe, and then we will talk to you again on Sunday night. Uh, till then, take care. All right, good deal, man.